having that experience really taught me like, oh, like time is moving and is, is going to go by. Like, let me be intentional about how I want to spend my life. I always look at it as a journey too. You're never going to forever be at the low or forever be at the high. It's kind of like the waves of going up and down and um, just staying intentional with, hey, okay, I'm going through something really hard, but this is how I'm going to keep going and get out of it. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins, a mental health podcast focused on the importance of finding joy and happiness in daily living. I'm your host, Stella Stephanopoulos, and this week I am so thrilled to have founder and CEO of Loci and Elements of Balance, Stephen Eisen. You've probably seen the Loci bracelets around, and I really love the messaging behind it, which is to stay humble through life's inevitable highs and lows. And this is exactly what Stephen and I talk about today. In this episode, Stephen shares how he turned his pain from losing his grandfather to Alzheimer's into purpose by starting Loci. We also talk about how Stephen navigates the inevitable highs and lows of life and how he finds balance amidst the chaos. And as a successful entrepreneur, Stephen also shares some of his best pieces of advice on setting boundaries, staying organized, and managing his stress. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. Before we get into it, reminder to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. And you can follow along on Instagram and on TikTok to stay up to date with all podcast episodes and future events. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on to Everyday Endorphins. Hi, hey, Stella. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this in person because I don't really... Get to do a lot of interviews in person, but um, it feels like so much more energizing to get to actually sit across from a table uh, and talk to you about all the incredible things that you've accomplished. If we start at really the inception of Loci, I have the wonderful bracelet on today. <laughs> <laughs> I think the concept is is really clever and really ties in directly into the ethos of everyday endorphins, but. Can you walk my listeners through what the inspiration was for why you even wanted to start Loci? Yeah, for sure. So in every Loci bracelet, there's water from Mount Everest and mud from the Dead Sea, uh, which remind people to stay balanced in life, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low. I came up with the idea for Loci about 13 years ago now. I was on vacation with my family and friends thinking about how lucky I was to be there. But that week, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and... He was someone I was very close to growing up and drove me to school every day, taught me to play golf and pool. And uh, so that was the lowest moment in my life at the time. Um, and it just got me thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through and how everybody goes through highs and lows in their life. You know, it doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level. We all have them. So I said, okay, well, what are the highs and lowest points on earth? Mount Everest and the Dead Sea. And how could I take elements from those two places and incorporate them into a product that people could wear every day as a reminder to find balance? And I told my dad the idea, and he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. That's the hard part. I think ignorance is bliss a bit. 
uh, and as a 19 year old, you can, you just think you can do anything. And, uh, I just kind of figured it out along the way. It took me three years to get everything in place. And I launched the company in June of 2013 when I graduated from Cornell. So you were basically ideating, getting everything ready while you were in college. Mm -hmm. How did you balance that with being a student? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, um, I also ran track at Cornell, uh, as well as was in a fraternity. And I think it, maybe it's just, uh, who I am, but I love doing a lot of different things. I'm not someone who just like wants to do one thing all the time. Um, and finding that balance and being able to manage a lot of different things has something, has been something I've always been good at. And so it's kind of ironic that that is what my companies are about. You know, I think it's just about prioritization and cutting out all the things that aren't important um, or don't add to the goals and the, the parts of your life that you really want to focus on. Yeah. It's like kind of filtering out the no- the external yeah. noise so that you can focus on what actually matters or like, I think something that's really helpful is breaking down goals into smaller chunks. So instead of being like, so stressed out by needing to achieve like a huge lofty goal, you can break it down into like micro steps. And that gives you that sense of like self-efficacy that you can keep moving forward. But I want to go back to like this concept of navigating the highs and lows of life because it is this universal human experience. Like we all go through more difficult times in our lives that we can't really anticipate because we can't really control anything. And then, of course, we'll have like the more joyous, happy, more positive moments. So you'd mentioned that your grandfather had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and passed away from that. And that really impacted you. How did you navigate that low point in your life, like when you were immediately in it? Yeah, it was weird because all of the other things in my life were so good. Right. Um, I just started uh, Cornell. Family, friends are amazing. And so I think it's just, I mean, death is a part of life. Uh, and I think something that I do is I always think about my last day on earth and looking back at my life and um, how I want to spend my time, what, I'm, what I, I want to be proud of, what I don't want to regret and try to live my life like that every day. And having that experience really taught me like, oh, like time is moving and is and is going to go by. Like, let me be intentional about how I want to spend my life. Do you think you ever had that perspective about life versus death or like how you can lead an intentional life before the experience of losing your grandfather? Like, had that ever crossed your mind or was that kind of the wake up moment where you were like, oh, I need to really value every moment that I have because that's like a blessing. It's a gift to be here on earth. Yeah, I was always and am someone who always thinks and lives in the future. Uh, I struggle with living in the present. Um, I think we all do. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't look back ever, really. Uh, And I think having kids more than anything uh, recently has made me be more present and work on being more present. So I think the experience with my grandfather opened my eyes to a lot of things, but I don't think it was until I had kids that made me be like, wow, like I need to be present with them and they know when you're not present. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that recently. (laughs) Not that I have children, but thinking about the relationship that I have with my parents. And when you're a kid, you can't really like conceptualize what's happening around you. 
But somehow, like the way in which you were raised, the environments that you were placed into really do have like an effect on you as a kid and shape how you look at things when you're older. So I guess it is every parent's challenge to learn how to be in the present moment with their child or children. I also think that looking at like a physical manifestation of the highs and lows of life, like actually places on earth that represent that is so clever. How did you, well, first of all, have you visited either of those places? Like, have you been to Mount Everest and also the Dead Sea? I've been to the Dead Sea a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, I have not been to Everest yet. <laughs> so how did you like decide that you wanted to have this like physical manifestation of the highs and lows of life? Like what led your thought process to to there and then developing a bracelet around it? Because I think you could do a lot of creative things if you're thinking about like a product with that concept of like high and low. Yeah, for me, it was all about just the the mental reminder and the symbol of the highs and lows of life. Um, and I had known that the Dead Sea was the lowest point and Mount Everest was the highest. And it kind of just, it worked. Mm -hmm. Well, I've never been to the Dead Sea, but I feel like it could be a really meditative like place, actually. Even though it's the lowest point, like you're floating, it's calming. I've never been. So I think I'm like, I don't know, I'm imagining this, <laughs> but I'm, my family's Greek and I go to Greece often. I feel like Greece and Israel are kind of similar. Um, and being in the water is a really healing experience, actually. So maybe there's <laughs> a bit more to than just like the low point in life, like actually in the Dead Sea, like there's some joy in that. Yeah. You know, I, um, I always look at it as a journey, too. There's no, like, you're never going to forever be at the low or forever be at the high. Uh, it's kind of like the waves of going up and down and um, just staying intentional with, hey, okay, I'm going through something really hard, but this is how I'm going to keep going and get out of it. But to be more literal, I've been in the Dead Sea a few times. If you have any cuts, don't go in because the salt really starts to burn. Yeah, no, I literally... I guess now would not be a good time. I cut my like thumb on this like really sharp bread knife over the weekend. Oh. So I guess now would not be a good time to go in the Dead Sea. But as you've navigated other ups and downs in your life, like being a new parent, even prior to then, having two companies, like there's a lot of things that you've done in your life that I'm sure have presented obstacles and challenges. So how have you tried to keep that mentality of being intentional with how you lead your life and the way in which you make certain choices. Yeah. So the second company you're talking about is Elements of Balance, which is a beverage and supplement brand uh, that inspires people to uh, literally balance their stress levels uh, through adaptogens and clinical doses. And um, having both companies, I was the most stressed I've ever been. And I was like, wow, I'm running two companies about finding balance and dealing with stress, and I am incredibly stressed right now. And I kind of just made a switch in my mind and said, if I'm running these two companies, like, I can't be stressed and I have to figure out, I can be busy, which is fine, but I can't let the stress of work influence the other parts of my life or else it's just not worth it. And so I kind of just made a rule, like, no stress allowed. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, it's something that I talk about a lot. It's okay to be very emotional about your mission and your brand and your purpose, but you can't be emotional about 
business decisions and how things are going within the organization. And for me, kind of making that mental switch has been the biggest unlock uh, in my success because if you don't let it influence how you make decisions in the business, you can make a lot more clear, rational decisions and what's best for yourself, the company, instead of like letting it all get wound up in an emotional decision that you might regret later. I think that also holds true to just like any decision in life, like coming from it with a more balanced, I guess that's the theme of this interview, like rational perspective rather than letting your emotions dictate what choice you're going to make. Someone um, told me, or maybe I heard it in a podcast, I can't remember, but there's this saying that, or this idea that if you try or if you come to make a decision from a place of fear, it's never going to go the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you if you approach that situation or the decision-making process from a state of like calmness and collectedness, uh, it might actually like pan out in a way that you're looking for or whatever the outcome is, it'll be fine. So that, what you just said kind of reminded me of this idea that like when you come from a place of fear, things don't really go the way in which you intend. Have you ever experienced that? Or I guess maybe that that ties into just this idea of like, coming into a decision from a more emotional standpoint. Yeah, I definitely find myself getting emotional sometimes. And I think the best tip would be just walk away. You know, like if it's uh, a text message you get or an email you get that frustrates you or makes you angry and you want to quickly respond, like I'll just like put it down and I'll say, okay, I'll just respond to this tomorrow. In your brain, it's still there. But I think after t- as time goes on, you chill out a bit and then you like come to the more rational decision and then you respond later. Yeah. There's like power in just putting your phone yeah, away. Totally. I was upstate this weekend at a friend's house and he like accidentally left his phone in his car the whole weekend and didn't even realize. And like that we, we had no cell signal. So it was just so nice to like disconnect. Um, but as an entrepreneur, I feel like you're constantly working or doing something and you're balancing two companies and a personal life. And how do you try to create those boundaries and like put away your phone or just create an environment in which you're not overstimulated? Yeah, I use my calendar um, religiously. Like I I even block out from 5 to 7 p.m. family time. Uh, And when it's on my calendar, I know that sorry, like I'm not doing anything else. And that that allows me mentally to put my phone down uh, and not look at it because there's no call scheduled. No one should be reaching me. And I really just prioritize putting the things on my calendar that I need to do in the order from most important to least. Uh, And the things I don't get to, I just, they weren't as important as the things I did. Um, Because it's a, it's a never ending list of to do's. And you can't get them all done in one day. You'll burn out. If you stay up till three in the morning trying to do it all, the next day you'll be exhausted. You won't have a great day at work. And then the list will build up again. And um, I look at being an entrepreneur as a career path, which maybe is a little silly, uh, but I want to do it for the next 30, 40 years of my life. And to do that, it needs to be sustainable. It can't be on a schedule that doesn't allow me to um, enjoy my family and working out and uh, spending time with friends. So I'm pretty good about blocking off those times in my calendar and then sticking to it. 
I love that you mentioned that because I put everything in my work calendar, like in its color coded for yeah, like same. project work or like personal commitments uh-huh. or podcast stuff because it's something I see every day and it's constantly on my up on my computer. So why not yeah. just have everything in one central place? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't know how I was able to manage the past year and a half of like not having my work email on my phone, but I like recently put my work email <laughs> onto my phone and I was like, is this crossing the boundaries that I'm trying to set, but I found it to be actually really helpful because I don't have to like grab my computer and actually check my email. I can just do it easily (laughs) on my phone. But I do think that that point around like having everything on your calendar scheduled in is really helpful because it allows you to also like prioritize and build the schedule that like works for you. Including workouts Mm -hmm. and family time. Yeah. You know, like for me, if it's in the calendar, I'm going to do it. And so it's, it's easy to schedule something. It's harder yeah. to then like want to go work out. So I guess this is brings it back to what your dad was saying when you s- decided that you wanted to create this company. Like it's about execution. And I think so many people have trouble with actually executing on their ideas or their intentions, whether or not it's like they want to build a company or they want to just commit to a plan. Like a lot of people struggle with actually following through with what they say they're going to do. What's some advice that you have either to entrepreneurs or just to to someone who's struggling with like actually executing on what they say they're going to do? How can they do that more easily in their life? Yeah, I have found um, myself when I'm procrastinating, uh, sometimes I, I I have to decide, am I procrastinating because I don't know what to do or am I procrastinating because I don't want to do it? Um, so I think that's an important like mental decision you have to make. If it's something you don't want to actually do, uh, then maybe that company or that idea or that thing is not right uh, and you should think of something else. If you don't know how to get to your big goal like you talked about, I've found – One, and I have a journal and I set goals every year on my birthday. Um, I've realized over the years, the ones I do are because I only set like one or two, not five. Um, So you have to stay like very focused on like the one or two things you want to do. And then I try to break that down into three kind of medium-sized things that I need to do to achieve that one goal. Uh, And then each one of those three small things. So you're kind of left with maybe nine little things. Um, and then I work work through those to get to the middle ones and then to achieve the big goal at the end. Kind of like just breaking it down into something that's more actionable. Yeah. And, yeah. and then using my calendar, whether it's something like each month I have to achieve certain things or each week um, to then get to the bigger goal. Yeah. And you'd also mentioned this <laughs> like no stress rule that you set for yourself. I'm curious to hear more about that because I think that stress can actually be really productive in a certain sense because when you're stressed out to a certain extent, your body like physiologically has the same response or like what's going on in your body is the same as like being excited. But then when you think about the experience of excitement versus stress, it's wildly different, like positive versus negative affect. So I think to a certain extent, stress can actually be beneficial and like help you stay focused and on track. But I think once it crosses the line is where it gets to be really, for lack of a better word, stressful or like challenging. How do you see that 
kind of work in your life or your approach to managing stress? I love pressure and I love learning and growing and challenging myself, um, which isn't, they're not easy things to do, right? Like you kind of make it harder for yourself by putting on bigger challenges and things you want to do within your company, starting a second company. But I think the stress of it, I mean, like real stress, which is mental health and letting that affect other parts of your life now kind of has a negative effect on everything you're doing. And why are you doing it if it's really ruining your family life and your health and your mental health? And so I really kind of separate challenges and hard things with stress. For me, stress is only negative. Mm. There's no positive in stress. I see. Okay. So that's more how you define it. Like stress is something that's negative. That's interesting. I think most people probably would define it that way because when we say, oh, I'm so stressed out, it's like a negative experience. But I think it's also difficult to be able to reframe stress as something positive. So maybe what works for you is easier to just keep it as something that's more negative and rather see pressure as something that's a positive thing or like working under pressure, or like keeping yourself accountable. Totally. I, I want to transition a little bit more into mental health. And I'm, I'm happy you brought that up since this <laughs> is largely a mental health podcast. Throughout different stages of your life and different experiences that you've had, uh, how have you come to understand what mental health is and um, how you've maybe prioritized that in your life? You know, I always wasn't sure about the word mental health. And I was like, "Mm, is this real? Like, or is this kind of just a made up thing? And then over the last couple of years, having two kids and starting a second company, it became a lot. And I was like, I I wouldn't say that I was depressed by any means, but I could feel the mental stress and the mental pressure. And it almost like freezes you to a degree. And, and, Uh, makes you not want to work, not want to do things, not be present. And I was like, whoa, like this is too much. Obviously, you can't cut kids out or really quickly cut a company out. So I was like, how can I change my mindset to kind of get out of this headspace that I'm in? And that was just like the word stress. I was like, I'm just not going to be stressed anymore. Let's see what happens. And it worked. (laughs) So how did you decide to not be stressed anymore? I literally just told myself I wouldn't be. The mind is powerful. Yeah. Did you do certain things, though, in your day to help you believe that? Like to help you believe, okay, I'm not going to be stressed. Like, were there any things that you could do to just make your life as easy as possible so that you could be as present as you could be for your kids, for your company? Yeah. I mean, I think I pinpointed the stress was the workload and the work. And it was just affecting the other parts of my life. So I, I I was able to understand what was causing the stress and how the other parts of my life were more important. And then, listen, like some people are in high pressure jobs that deal with people's lives and death, making drinks and bracelets at the end of the day are not things worth being stressed about. Uh, and I thought, about, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? One of the companies fails. Okay, I'll, I'll work and I'll start another one. Um, <laughs> like there wasn't anything that was like that big of a reason to be stressed about. Yeah. Um, and I just mentally made the switch. I think a lot of people, myself included, tend to like catastrophize certain things in life. 
Um, and it's so helpful when you can put it into perspective and realize, okay, really, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or this at the end of the day is not like the most important thing or like just recognizing that you can put things into perspective, I think is really healthy. I want to talk a little bit more about your other company and really like what the inspiration was to get into the beverage space. Cause I know both loci and elements of balance are largely in like the health and, and wellness space. So what really inspired you to go off and start a second company? Yeah, so Lokai is about inspiring people to find balance in their life through the symbols of the highs and lows. Um, but we wanted to create another product that really delivered on helping people find balance. Uh, and what high doses of adaptogens actually do are balance your cortisol levels, which are your stress hormones. Um, and so we created four different products, an energy, a focus, a calm, and a sleep, all using clinical studies and clinical doses of adaptogens. So we not only use the same dose, but the same suppliers that were used in clinical studies. And we have a ready-to-drink product line as well as a supplement uh, capsule product line. And, you know, for me, I think it it tied so closely to my purpose and Lokai's purpose of balance and also I really just wanted to challenge myself and try a new industry um, and help people in their lives. I think also like adaptogens are these like, like I've seen a lot of drinks now that are like in this functional beverage space and it's like sexy and cool and like, oh, what's an adaptogen? Like, how can I naturally balance my cortisol levels? So I think it's now more than ever, probably the right time to go into that space because of how many products are out there that are more health focused um, and that are in the functional beverage space. How have you noticed these adaptogens actually affect your body and manage your own stress levels? Yeah. So we created the four because it's kind of the the path of your day, you might say, right? You wake up, you kind of need an energy boost, focus midday, calm in the afternoon and sleep at night. Like, listen, everyone needs a little pick me up, whether it's coffee or an energy drink, right? Um, and I'm no different. And I've just found if there's a healthier option that really delivers the function, right? You can't make a product, say it's going to give you energy, focus, calm, sleep, and then you don't feel anything. Um, so when we made them, we said, okay, you got to actually feel it and it has to work if we're going to start this company. And it's really allowed me to kind of have these like flagpoles throughout my day that I know I go and I reach for the drink. It also helps me hydrate because I'm terrible at drinking uh, water throughout the day. So now I know I'm at least drinking uh, four, four cans a day. And it just, they work. Um, and, you know, we found, we found customers who love one function and just like, they're like, oh my God, I've never tried a better sleep product. Like, I've always had sleep issues um, and they just use the sleep or people who kind of throughout, throughout their week will drink one, two, three of the different functions. Yeah. You can kind of curate yeah. how you want it to impact you or like what you need the most. I would probably need calm. <laughs> I love how both companies kind of come together under such a similar like mission and, and ethos as well, because when you're trying to navigate the highs and lows of life, maybe those four areas that you've identified with your product line like will be impacted. Your sleep's going to be impacted, your totally. calmness, your focus. So I think it's really synergistic. And sleep is actually probably one of the most important things 
that I focus on, uh, which we didn't touch on in, in like the schedule or the plan, but like I make sure to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in bed by nine. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I wish Be- I could say that. And it really does help with stress. Mm, yeah. Well, sleep is restorative. Like you're brain and your body is able to recalibrate for the next day. Uh, and I definitely notice when I don't have enough sleep, I don't feel great the next Same. day. Yeah. I'm, but also like as an entrepreneur, like you mentioned earlier, if you're working around the clock till 3 a.m., you're going to feel horrible. Had you had those moments and then you recognized, oh, I needed to make it like I need to make a shift and actually prioritize sleep. Yeah, I think it's a you're either in an upward or downward cycle, right? It's just like how you eat healthy or not healthy, working out. Um, If you start kind of getting in the right routine, it can really help with all aspects. So uh, sleep is kind of the first thing I think people should do if they're really stressed Mm -hmm. and they can easily identify that they're not sleeping seven, eight hours a night. Yeah. What are some of your other healthy habits? I know you mentioned exercise is really important to you. Do you prefer like working out in the morning or closing out your day with physical activity? Like how do you try to prioritize your workouts as I well? I try to work out in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a great way to kind of kickstart the day, feel great about the day. Um, things come up at the end of the day, right? Dinners, meetings, family, mm-hmm. you're tired. Um, so it's hard to get like on a regular schedule, but I'm a little bit all over there. No one's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Hence finding balance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so aside from prioritizing sleep and exercise, what are some other things that you like to incorporate into your day or your routine or just more of like your lifestyle that you find help balance your all your different priorities? I really try to cut out everything that doesn't make me a better father, athlete, businessman. Um, so I'm not going out. Um, I'm not on social media too much. Things like that. I think social media is a big one for sure. It's a time suck, number one. And, and stresses <laughs> you out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I like that kind of just filtering out everything that – isn't adding to your life. Mm-hmm. Like, why have it there? And I just thought of one more, which is um, the people around you, right? Your friends, your family. Be intentional with who's around you. Uh, people that make you a better person, a better version of yourself, and where you want to go in life. Yeah, I'm really happy you brought that up because when I was in college, I took a positive psychology course and it was on like the science of being happy, essentially. And um, <laughs> one interesting study uh, showed how the the number one predictor of your well-being and satisfaction is the strength of your relationships. So those that have really meaningful quality friendships, people in their lives that they can rely on, like were the happiest and, and felt the healthiest. Um, so I think there's such a value in who we choose to surround ourselves with and like how we build those connections. 100%. Shifting gears a little bit, looking at happiness and health. Um, so endorphins are the happiness hormone. The runner's high. You said you ran track in, in college, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're really familiar with an endorphin thrill <laughs> or an endorphin rush. But really, I, you know, the mission behind Everyday Endorphins is to inspire people to feel like they can get that endorphin high and, and 
the mundane activities in life and to kind of anchor onto that when times are difficult or challenging. With that being said, you know, I think we often think about like happiness as something that is really like a driver of our well-being and and our mental health, like just wanting to become happy. But throughout a lot of the interviews that I've done, I've heard different people's theories on like what it means to be happy and, and how that relates to our mental health and our well-being. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts and on um, like what it means to be happy and how you seek out happiness in your life. It's a big question. <laughs> um, we can break it down. No, I, I just, um, why do things that don't make you happy? So I just, I've, I've always had that mindset. Um, and there's no um, negotiating on that for me. And so like, whether it's my relationship with my wife, my kids, what work I'm doing, the people I'm hanging out with, I'm just very intentional about everything I do and where I spend my time. Um, and at the end of the day, it needs to make me happy. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to get caught up also and like doing things that don't make you happy, you know, for wanting to please other people or wanting validation or whatever it may be. Not for me. <laughs> so you're, you've always been that way. Like you've always been very focused on just doing things that bring you joy. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think I'm very self-confident. I don't think I care what other people think of me. Um, and I just want to live the, the life I want to live. Mm -hmm. I think that's important, too, because when you have that sense of confidence, you naturally don't care what other people think about you or you care less. Um, and you compare yourself less to other people, which there's that other famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy, which is really true. Like when you do start to compare yourself to others, it can be like a really negative spiral that you can go down. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or felt that way, but in the event that you have, like how have you tried to reframe that situation and like not get stuck in the comparative mindset? I never really compare myself to others. Um, I, I think there's different ways. When you compare yourself, are you saying, oh, that person's more successful than me? Oh, that person's X to me? You know, I'm, I always try to be a sponge and just learn from other people. And so uh, for me, it's more like, oh, like that person's done an amazing job at this. I want to be, I want to meet them and learn how they did that. So I'd say it's more of a curiosity and wanting to get to know people and learn things from people than it is a comparison. Mm, yeah, that's a good distinction. Because I think if you also approach things from a curious perspective, you're more open to other opportunities. Uh, yeah. And you're like, not creating this negative self-talk, because it's not like you're comparing someone else against yourself, having this messaging around like, well, they've done this, I can't get there. Rather, like having a more open-minded perspective and trying to just learn from other people, I think is a really positive way to, to think about that. One other question that I have for you, kind of in this whole happiness topic and, and just thinking more about like leading a, a healthy life, how do you try to find meaning in situations that maybe don't feel that impactful? Like how do you try to find that sense of purpose in, in what you're doing and, and just every day? It's a great question. Um, giving back has always been a huge part 
of what I do um, and I've incorporated it into my companies. You know, I, I always kind of had the mindset, like, why do I have to make money and then give money back later? Why can't I do it all at the same time? And so Loki donates 10% of its net profits to charity. Uh, and we've donated almost $10 million now to different nonprofit organizations. And um, so I think starting companies that have a positive intention, help the world, help others, um, keeps me motivated to keep going. Yeah, that's incredible. That's like a huge impact. That must feel so like gratifying to see that you've been able to give back in this way. Uh, what kinds of nonprofits have you has Loki donated to? Yeah, we probably have a list of 20 to 30, uh, to name a few. Make-A-Wish mm-hmm. um, is a big one, which I'm on the national board of and um, is one of the things I'm most proud of in my career so far. BCRF, so breast cancer, mental health, um, autism, pride, the list goes on and on. Alzheimer's. Of course, that would yeah. make sense. Well, I mean, that's incredible. And I'm just really inspired by everything that you've built in your career. Um, and you're also Forbes 30 under 30, which is so cool. <laughs> so it's just really inspiring to get to sit with you and and to get to chat really about how you navigate the highs and lows of life and you know how you stay focused and continue to have that drive. So really, it's just been such a pleasure to, to get to speak with you, Stephen. One final question that I have for you that I ask every guest that comes on to the podcast is directly tied into this idea of seeking endorphins in, in daily living. So aside from everything that you've listed on your healthy habits and your mindset, what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day? Uh, squeezing my kids. <laughs> <laughs> How old are they? Uh, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. They're the I, best. Yeah. I love that little babies. Uh It's so fun to play with. Yeah. That's a great answer. I find that a lot of parents that I've, or people that are parents that I've interviewed always mention their kids uh, that bring them endorphins, especially when they're little. It's hard. (laughs) Kids are hard work, but it's also the most gratifying (laughs) thing in the world. Yeah. I love, well, I mean, I can't really, but hopefully my parents feel that way. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. It was such a pleasure getting to have you as a guest. Where can my listeners follow along with everything that you're doing and follow along loci and Elements of Balance and everything? Yeah, sure. Um, Elements of Balance, you can find on Amazon. Just go to Elements of Balance Drinks, locaislocai.com. And I'm on Instagram at Stephen Edison. Even though you're not really on Instagram because you're not really on social. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Endorphins. If you liked what you heard, make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever platform you prefer. You can also follow along the Everyday Endorphins Instagram account to stay up to date with episodes, future events, and all things related to mental health, well-being, and happiness. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things in life that bring you joy every day. Until next time.